Hi friends, and welcome to Trauma and Triumph, a podcast to share stories of powerful women and some men who have taken their trauma and transformed it into triumph. During season one, you're going to meet a variety of amazing women who have overcome tremendous obstacles, setbacks, and trauma to become the extraordinary people they are today. I'm your host, Krista Janine, best known for my IG handle, Krista Janine, where I discuss health, fitness, single parenthood, and most importantly, how to transform your trauma into triumph. Today, for our first guest ever, we have Dr. Lakia Mogun. Lakia is a first-generation Nigerian and African-American woman who grew up between Detroit, Michigan, and Queens, New York. Growing up between both cultures shaped her worldview at a very early age. She is an artist first. Her artistic nature is infused in all her work as a professor, writer, and TEDx speaker. Her core mission remains the same in each of her roles, to shift static ideas about identities, culture, and language. Her work takes place across educational, organizational, and digital spaces. Lakia is a big advocate for women building and living the life of their dreams. When she's not busy working, you can find her in motion on a plane to visit her favorite people in new places, in the gym, or on a long distance run. Your girl just finished the New York Marathon not too long ago. So please help me in welcoming Dr. Lakia Amogun. Let's drive on in. So what is one trauma-centered event you've experienced that strikes you the most as a pivotal moment in your life? Yeah. Um, I had to take some time to like think through that. I would have to say the one that strikes me the most is my, it was my four-year relationship that I didn't know it at the time, but after time, I found out that I was in an abusive relationship, like emotionally, psychologically financially abusive relationship. Yeah. And how did you, I guess, get to the point of realizing that? Mm -hmm. Well, because the relationship was like, so there would be like periods of like him breaking up with me, like across the relationship. And so the the biggest breakup was when we were engaged and that like, that one kind of pretty much brought me to my knees. And so I just kept like, I was like, okay, well, you know, according to him, I wasn't doing all these things. And so I was like, I started therapy and I was like, well, let's go to therapy. And so I started therapy in February, 2019. And I went in with the intention of fixing my relationship because according to him, there were just some things that I needed to do. And so I was in therapy from like February all the way to like November ish. And I realized like, just because you go to therapy doesn't mean anything. Cause I wasn't being like fully honest with my therapist about, I was telling her my part, like, oh, this is what I did. This is what I did. And I think that was the the pattern that had been created in our relationship. But then one day, like right after we had this really big, that was the end of it for me. I said I was done. And I told her and I told my therapist, I said, I haven't been completely honest with you. And then, so I just started to open up to her about some of the things that are really taking place. Things that I was like hiding and shameful about that I hadn't told anyone, not even my family. And then she sat there and she looked at me and I'll never forget, she like crossed her arms and she said, Lakia, I don't know if you're ready to hear this, but this was abuse. And then that's when I realized. And even at the time, I wasn't ready to process abuse because I'm like, me? Uh-uh, not me. I'm too strong for that. I'm, you know, I'm better than that. But so that's that was the moment that I found out. Yeah. No, it's so interesting you say that because I just watched Made on Netflix. And it's like a new series about a young mom who was in an emotionally abusive relationship and a financially abusive relationship. And didn't want to call it abuse because she was like, well, there's women 
who have like actually been abused, right? So I don't want to take up somebody's space in like this DV home if I'm not actually abused. And the whole series is really about people understanding what you just said, that abuse looks so different depending on the relationship. And like, and it builds too, right? So it's like, yeah, it might start as emotional abuse or financial abuse, but then it might then in turn still become physical abuse later if they feel like they can't control you anymore through those means. Absolutely. And it does does build over time too. Like, yeah. 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 Well, I'm glad you came to that discovery. I'm glad more women are talking about this because it's so, so important. Mm -hmm. Um, So then from that moment, how do you feel like it changed you emotionally, spiritually, mentally? Like what, what blossomed from that moment for you? Yeah. Well, I think, like I said, like once I started to be truthful and like, once I understood what it was and I told my therapist helped me realize, and then that's when I started to open up to my family about it. So then it was like, there's no, you know, not just going back because the door was closed anyway, but it was like, okay, I, I have to move on. I would have to say spiritually because I've always been pretty grounded in my faith. I'm, I identify as a Christian, but I think it took me even deeper in my relationship with my faith because I was also codependent in that relationship. So it really, really challenged me to rely on my faith. I dealt with a lot of shame because, I mean, I went from having a ring to like not having a ring on my finger. I went from having like cute pictures on my feed with the guy that I was dating to not. So there was a lot of shame around that. Right. And so I think spiritually I had to go deep into a place of like, oh, my gosh, God, I need you. Like, I cannot do this by myself. So a lot of leaning on my faith. Um and what it showed me, it changed me because I think before that spiritually, it was just like, oh, I'm a Christian. I go to church and, you know, but that taught me like, oh man, like my faith, it sounds cliche, but like my faith is literally my rock. I cannot make it without. And that situation taught me that like, in my case, like God truly pulled me through. Like he, he walked with me. He held me by my hand. Um, so that was, that was really important mentally. Um, cause there was so much psychological, um, manipulation taking place. Like I had got, I, I, I saw myself in a, not, I didn't see myself the way people saw me. And a lot of that had to do with things that he would say to me, like, Oh, don't post that. Or don't wear that. Or do you think people really want to hear that? So I saw myself as like, Oh, I, I kind of like really didn't have any value. So like mentally it made me get to a place where I had to like trust myself. And I'm still doing that work right now. Like learning how to trust myself. Um, and emotionally it taught me like, not everybody deserves access to your heart, to my heart. Like, right. Cause what I realized is like, dang, like I blamed myself for a long time. Like I was too vulnerable. I was too this. And I'm like, actually, no, I'm not going to stop being the loving, caring person that I am. But now I know who to give it to and who not to. Right. Or like to slowly see if I can trust people. And then, but, um, I would have to say mentally, it's definitely made me a lot stronger. Like I, I, I've learned to trust myself. Yeah. No, I love that. And two things you said that really stood out to me was the shame factor of it. And I feel like as women, right, when relationships don't work out, it's like, oh, what did I do wrong? Or, oh, this must have been me. Or, oh, well, now I I have all these pictures on my timeline and then we're just not together anymore. And there is so much shame for women behind that. And 
And I mean, and it, from a societal standpoint, it's like, of course, because as a woman, you're supposed to get married and have kids and that's what you're supposed to do. And if right. you don't do that, then you're failing, right? Like you're that's, what, that's what society tells you. You're failing as a human being, despite mm-hmm. all your other accomplishments, besides, mm-hmm. despite everything else you've done. If you don't have a mate, right, then mm-hmm. you have failed as a woman. Absolutely. And I think that's so telling because a lot of women are speaking out about that now where it's like, but I've done all this, these things, like for, for instance, you, you're a doctor, <laughs> like, like you've done a TEDx talk, like you're a professor now, like you, you know, run marathons. Like there's so many things that you do that people would love to say I've accomplished, mm-hmm. but because this one thing, right. Didn't work out. Then like, then you feel shame about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had, I'm oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go, no, no, go, go, go. Now, I was going to say one of my aunt, I'm really close to her. And she told me, cause I was like, just embarrassment and shame. And, and I, and, and she was like, look, Kia, she, she just flat out told me one day I was driving in the car. She said, the shame will keep you in shackles. Like, you know, and she was like, just how many women are in situations that they know are no good for them. Right. But like, because of shame or because of needing to keep this visual appearance up, continue to stay in like unhealthy relationships. So that was something that stuck with me. Yeah. And I think there's so much power in that. And we should celebrate women for getting out of bad situations. Like that is something that should be lifted up more than it is and discussed more than it is. Cause it's hard. It's, it's hard to get out of a relationship period. If you know, it's not for you, but it's even harder when there is that level of psychological and emotional abuse, because you really have yourself thinking it's me, it's not them. And if I just change this one thing, then they'll love me for sure forever. Mm-hmm. But that's the crazy cycle of abuse, though. I've learned that you, my therapist, what she said, okay, there was never going to be anything that was good enough. Like, if you would have done this, then there would have been something else, right? And that's the whole point because it breaks you down. That's the part of breaking you down. Nothing will ever be enough. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, I love that you're speaking out about it because, like I said, I do think it's so powerful for women to be honest about this aspect, but then also the spiritual journey that we all go on, right? And like that that lesson of learning ourselves and trusting ourselves and trusting our intuition, which honestly for me goes hand in hand, right? Like spirituality and intuition. I'm like, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit telling me, hey, don't do that. Or, hey, this is what you need to hear and do right now. And I think so often in society, we don't talk about the two correlating. It's like, (laughs) yeah, it's so crazy to me. Oh, yeah. I tell people I literally would not have made it without my my relationship with Christ, like without my faith. Like, who? Like, oh, my gosh. I mean, and I'm, I'm and I just think about like the wonders in the passage that, that the to know God is Emmanuel, like God with me. Like I was in the middle of my um, comp exams and like in, in writing the first three, like going up to become a candidate. So I was going through all this breakup. Like when it, I, I was at a point in my PhD program where I was either going to make, it was either going to, I was going to continue or I wasn't going to continue. Mm-hmm. So nobody knew. I'm like, nobody knew what I was going through behind closed doors. And I'm like having these high stakes exams. And th- I mean, he called me one night and broke up with me the night before my freaking candidacy, like present. So it was just like a lot of mental, crazy abuse happening, but I still had to like, and, and yeah. I hate to say, but I feel like that's what women and particularly that's what black women do. We continue to show up like, right. Like no matter what's going on, we're going to do the good work at work. We're going to continue to be the good wife, the good mom and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. But I think it's like, it's so 
frustrating because it's like you don't even have a choice and I feel like that's something like I know there's this campaign of like you know take off the cape but sometimes you can't take it off like there are moments in life where it's like you know I have to compartmentalize this part of my life because there's so much more at stake over here Mm -hmm. and I don't think black women specifically are given the space to say that it's like we're not resilient and strong out of choice okay. it's not like we wake up and like yeah I want to be resilient today it's like no like so much of what I've done in life is resting on this and yeah this part sucks and I'm sad about it but I have to figure out a way to like get mm-hmm. through this mm-hmm. and then after that you can have a breakdown you know what I mean yeah yeah and so yeah and I know we'll talk but that was something that that's something that changed with me too like just not feeling the need to do everything and be everything anymore too so. yeah oh I, lo- I love that though so what has the process of healing been like for you after this like outside of therapy what yeah. else does that look like absolutely so I journal a lot, like a lot. Like I've journaled, I started journaling when I was 16. I tell people it was my therapy before I knew there was therapy, um, but journaling a lot. I also make like these video, people probably, if they open my computer, they'd be like, what? So I do like these um, videos where I like, I guess like video journals, I don't know, where I kind yeah. of make videos and updates about myself. Like, oh, this thing has happened. You know, this is where I am. So I reflect a lot in writing and just like videos and things like that. Also, um. I started doing the things that I wanted to do. I mean, like just finding the beauty in the smallest things. Cause I think in life we wait for these moments like, Oh, when this happens, I'm going to be happy. Or when this happened, I'm going to be. And it's just like, I learned I'm never relying on anybody to create my happiness ever again. To me, it's like looking like, um, I don't know, like going on a walk or, um, staying, finding an Airbnb that I think is the most beautiful Airbnb, booking a flight and going there and staying there and finding the best ramen restaurant. Like to me, like I had like, or just going to the store to like buy, I don't know, something that like some flowers. So just like the small things that like nobody, no one, nobody can ever take away from me. So that was a huge part of my healing journey. I also got in touch with nature. Like I did not expect that. Like, especially like during the pandemic, like I started going on walks a lot and I found that that was huge for my mental health and just like healing. I used to live in Austin. We didn't have that much water, but I would just walk around um, Zilker Lake, Zilker in Zilker Park, no, Lady Bird Lake. <laughs> and, um, and I just found that so healing that... Um, also being super vulnerable with my friends and my close friends, trusted friends and family. Like, cause I think I, what I realized is I was upholding this image of like, oh, I have it all together. My relationship's good, but I had to start being real and honest. And so that was a huge part of my healing. And what was that transition like for you? Cause that's something I struggle with, right? It's like, I have two friends that I tell everything and then nobody knows anything mm-hmm. else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, it made me so funny enough going back to that strong woman, right? Like when I started to be open and, and vulnerable and open up to my close and trusted friends and family, I, they then became a resource of support. So it was like, oh shoot, I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to do it all because people would then check in on me. Cause I was always a friend like, Hey, how are you? What can I do for you? What do you need? Like that was just, yeah. the way I, I was just always that friend. But once I started to open up and be vulnerable, they would then support me. And I still struggle with that. I still struggle with letting people help me. So that was a big transition for me to be in a position to be loved, to be helped, to be supported. Yeah. 
And it's so funny because vulnerability has been coming up a lot in conversations I've had recently because um, I just read Gabrielle Union's new book, You Got Anything Stronger. And she talks a lot about vulnerability. And I think the catch 22 and like the fear that we all have is like, well, if I'm vulnerable, then I can get hurt. So I think it's so important that you said you're trusted friends and family, right? Because sometimes we want to be vulnerable, but we're vulnerable with the wrong people. And then it's like, oh, see? That's why you shouldn't do it. But it is, it's it's all aligned, right? It's like going to that spiritual intuition and trusting that mm-hmm. this person is somebody I can be vulnerable with. But then also when the voice in your head is saying, that's not the person to be vulnerable with, you trust it. Absolutely. I think too, trusting your gut. So I guess going back to that question of how did I change on an emotional level? Or I don't know if that's mental or emotional, but like I had to learn how to trust my gut, right? Like, and so- I used to be open. I used to tell everybody everything, but like I had to learn how to like, you know, scale it back and, and tell trusted friends things because then I wouldn't feel so like emotionally naked and like, it would be like, okay, it's safe with that person. So. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's how it should be. We should all have like that small group of people that mm-hmm. are like our people. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, you've sort of answered this one already, but what strength have you gained from this experience? Um, I think I would have to say that I see myself like I've learned how powerful I am and not in that traditional like I'm strong I can do all these things but like internally I realize like wow I am pretty strong and I say that because I realize but it takes a lot of vulnerability to love right like to be vulnerable and to and I, I see that as a strength I used to I think after I went through all this, I saw that as a weakness, but I think to be someone, right. Cause I think that's, that's another thing that I see, like the more people have, the more they've accomplished, the more, I guess, of an asshole they can be, if you will, like they can be, you know, like, and I realized like, I never want to be that person. I don't care like how much I've accomplished or how people see me. And I see that as a strength to be able to keep my, I guess, my personality, my heart at the core. Um, that's something that I think that I've gained from, from this experience because it almost broke me, but it didn't. And I still have that like loving, I'm not perfect, but I still have that loving, caring kind of like, I still see sometimes the world as a fairy tale. Like that's something I yeah. know. <laughs> like, I don't, I, cause I think otherwise I would be jaded. So I think that's something I've, um, a strength that I've gained and just to, just to continue to see the beauty in the world and to create the beauty that I want to see. No, it, it's no longer in anybody's hands. So that's the, that's the strength that I've gained. Yeah. And I love that because it's so important because it's easy to be like, oh, well, this didn't work out and now I'm just going to shut off completely from the world. But then you're, you lose, right? The mm-hmm. person who like hurt you or harmed you or other people you're trying to protect yourself from, like nobody else is really losing in that space except for you because you're not giving yourself the space to experience life. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think it's, it's great to have that moment of revelation where it's like, yes, I live in a fairy tale and I'm not going to apologize for it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's so funny because- you just did something that I do too, where you're like, yeah, I've done X, Y, and Z, but I'm not perfect. It's like, we all know that. And I feel like so often we do that. So it's like, oh, you know, I don't want to like humble brag, but like, no, like it's okay. Yeah. Like that's, that's one of the things that I tell people all the time. Like I'm not interested in humility. And I know that sounds crazy, Mm -hmm. but I just feel like humility is a construct that's created to help people tear themselves down. So they don't feel like they're X, Y, and Z. I'm like, you can be respectful 
you can have grace for other people, but being confident in who you are doesn't make you a bad person. Like humility is, is an overrated thing in our society. Yeah, sometimes. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. So yeah, girl, it's okay. You ain't gotta say you're not perfect. It's fine. You're still great. Let's, let's go with that. <laughs> uh, so what would you tell somebody going through a similar situation? I thought about that too. Like I would probably say to trust your gut, right? Cause I think what happened with me was like the whole cognitive dissonance, like this is what I've been seeing and experiencing, but this is kind of like what I'm feeling, right? So those two things didn't line up. But what I was feeling was more informative than what I was seeing. And if mm. so I would tell someone who's going through something similar like that is to like, listen to your emotions, listen to your feelings. Like if something has happened that's hurting you, that's, make, that's breaking you down, that's making your self-esteem wilter away. And if you were super confident and strong in the beginning, but now you're not, trust the emotional part of the process, right? Not what he's telling you or not what he's, the promises that, or your partner, that your partner is making really trust your, like, listen, get in check with your emotion. Yeah. And I think that's great. Like relationship advice across the board, right? Mm -hmm. Because so often, even if somebody isn't abusive, if they're not for you, they're not for you, but people will stay in relationships just to be in a relationship sometimes. And they know that that person is not for them. I tell people we always know. Right. Always know. (laughs) Mm-hmm. yeah immediately especially like at the older you get like oh. I can talk to somebody for two seconds and be like yeah, yeah. it's been fun you have a good day <laughs> <laughs> right it's like that real immediately now immediately now. <laughs> yeah for real yeah that's true and I think if there was something else I would add to it is like don't let shame or judgment of what people are going to say about you or think do not let that hold you captive because you have a whole life to live. Like I tell people I got my soul back. I got my, 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 I got my life back. So if you're worried, like, and I know it's easier said than done, especially for people who may be married or have children, but like it's the, the shame and, and keeping up an image is not worth it. It's just not. Yeah. Cause I mean, what, at the end of the day, it's like, do you like yourself? Mm-hmm. And if you don't like yourself and like how you're doing life, you got to ask yourself why, right? We got one, we all have one life to live. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you can't like justify the life that you're living for yourself, right? Nobody else. Cause you mm-hmm. don't owe anybody else any justification. But if you can't like at night, when you go to sleep, justify the life that you're living, it's like, what are we doing? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be hard sometimes. Just nothing. nothing. It just can be hard. No, go ahead. It can be hard sometimes because the abuser's role is to make you think that you need them and that you can't live without them. So, yeah, I feel like it's so, and it's also a learned behavior. And now I'm going to speak just from personal experiences. A lot of my emotional abuse in relationship was a direct reflection of my childhood. Like it literally was a direct reflection. And like, that was me in therapy being like, Oh my God, this person is literally my entire family personified. Like, everything about him was like I was like that's that's one why I love you but also why I allow you to treat me like this same thing with me everything pointed back everything pointed back to childhood yeah yeah and it's it's crazy how we teach our kids 
how to teach people to love them. And we don't realize some of the damage that you're doing in the process. Right. Mm-hmm. And and as a parent, that's like one of my biggest fears. I tell people that all the time, like, I don't want to fuck up my kid. Right. And not just like, you know, yeah, I want him to have a good life and a good job and a good education, whatever. But like, I want him to know how to interact with the world around him and trust himself and have like faith in like what he believes and not falter in that or feel like somebody else has an upper hand over him. Mm -hmm. Right. But then it's also like that balance of, but you're also not better than anybody either. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's the crazy thing about parenting. It's like, you're constantly replaying your childhood and trying to fix the things from your childhood that just weren't right. Yeah. I hear my sisters talk about that a lot, how they don't want to put their trauma or past up onto their Yeah. Childhood. And it's hard because you don't even realize it sometimes. That's what I like, because after the fire, for instance, I'm somebody that like something bad happens. I'm like, okay, we're just going to fix it and like go. And I put Chris in therapy and his therapist was like, well, mom, what you're teaching him is that he doesn't have a space to, to feel his emotions Mm -hmm. when you just go, go, go. And you're not taking any time to like reflect on things. And you're not showing him that you're sad about things. You're just showing him like how to be strong and like move on. You're not giving him the space to like realize how he's feeling. Mm -hmm. I said, ah, messing up my kid (laughs) it's trial and error right all right but yeah so it's like you you know and like you said we're not none of us are perfect and all of us are like figuring it out as we go but man parenting is one of those doozies where you're like I think I got it and then you're like nope I don't got it Mm, keep you humble real quick real (laughs) quick and it makes you appreciate your parents more even though they're flawed Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it really does. Because you're like, man, they did the best they could with what they had. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. Okay. Right. Speaking of family, so yeah. how can someone's family or friends be supportive if they're in a similar situation? Mm-hmm. I would say the number one thing is to believe believe the, the, the person who is it. Who's, who's experienced the abuse because many times it's always the blame well what did you do what did you do well you said this to him or her and like maybe if you wouldn't have said that right so try like believe them and don't blame them those are probably my top two things no 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 victim blaming and no and, and believe them right because I tell people my situation was like screaming in broad daylight I was telling people what was happening as it was happening but nobody believed me and then he, that was because mostly like he was extremely charismatic and charming. So like they, and he had, you know, won their favor and their trust, but believe what they tell you. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, most abusers are master manipulators. So they know how to throw on the charm. Like, that's the thing that I don't think a lot of people realize. Like it's a constant manipulation game. Yep. Someone else that's in a similar situation, like what would be your advice to them to give them that spark to get out of that situation. Remember who you are as much as you can. I spent a lot of time looking and physically looking in the mirror, like remember who you are. And when you can remember who you are alongside what's taking place, and then you're like, I don't deserve like, 
I don't deserve this. Like, no, 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 no. I deserve more. So I always say, say spend a lot of time looking at yourself. Rem- like literally remember who you are. And you deserve more. Love shouldn't hurt. Like love does, should not hurt. Yeah. I think that's something that this generation is really leaning into because I think past generations, especially past generations of women were like, yeah, I mean, love, love is hard. Love is, you know, you have to work through it and yada, yada, yada. And all like, honestly, a lot of my mother's friends and and her generation were in abusive relationships at some like scale of the spectrum, but they stayed because it's like, they didn't have as many other options right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's our generation's blessing and curse right because it's like Mm -hmm. we have to heal our our mother's generations Mm -hmm. and the process of explaining to them why we're not gonna do that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 big time and that's hard it's very hard especially mama no go ahead go ahead no you go ahead (laughs) no I just say my mom's always looking at me crazy asking me why I'm not married or dating and I'm like Cause I don't, I don't want to. I was just going to say that like it gets harder as you get old, as you get older too, because it then becomes the older you are, right? People don't say it explicitly, but it's almost like the older you become, the more tolerant you should become, right? Well, well, you're getting older. So, I mean, you got to accept something. You got to accept someone. And I spoke out against that a lot in my family. (laughs) Yeah. As you should. And I mean, and for me, and this is like uh, the, the mountain I will die on. If I've waited this long, I am not about to sacrifice my peace for something that isn't what I want, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I am not about to, to throw away all the work I've done, getting myself to where I am mentally, spiritually, financially, emotionally, to mm-hmm. then settle for something that is not what I want, that is not going to be conducive to me, that is going to cause a disruption in my peace. I can't. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not meant to be with somebody, I'm not meant to be with somebody. That is okay. But what I'm not willing to sacrifice is my peace. Mm, exactly. Yep. And that's the, I feel like that's the emotional part too, really. Cause my one friend, after we, after everything finally ended, she asked me, she said, okay, Lakia, have you, you know, after some time passed, she was like, have you started thinking about what you want? You know, when you start dating again. And she said, whatever it is, get rid of that list. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah. She was like, you want character. You want, you know, because the guy, he can have the job. He, and of course, that is important to me. Let me not be, you know. Let like, <laughs> I me, mean, you know. You're not looking for a stay-at-home husband? <laughs> you stay at home working on that computer? Let me find out. <laughs> um, so, like, she was just like, character, right? Like, you want character traits, kindness, empathy, all those things. And so that was something that changed after that situation, too. Like, not just the physical or, like, you know. I started to lead, you know, once I got back out there with dating, I, it was important for me to see character. Yeah. And I think that's great. And that's beautiful too. Cause I am always that person. And my friends think I'm crazy. I'm like, Oh, you really like people's personalities. Cause like, I don't have a type. Like my type is who you are. Right. And for me, I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter if somebody is tall or short or fat or whatever, because like characteristics change. Right. Like all, a lot of the things that we're so like bent to like have in our lives, they -hmm. will change over time anyway. That's true. But somebody's character and their like base values, like that's who they are and that's who you're marrying or that's who you're partnering with. And that's, 
And that should take more precedent than like, mm-hmm. oh, you look pretty to me. Well, yeah, thank you. Yeah. I, <laughs> but but I don't care. What? Give me more. <laughs> give me more. Give me substance. I need some substance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I said that's one of my friends. Once. I was like, when I'm dating somebody and they just hit me with a random good morning text and there's nothing else there. I'm like, hmm. You do it a few times. I'm like, oh, that's cute. You keep doing it. And there's nothing else behind that. Like, ask me how my day is going to be today. Ask me if there's anything that, you know, I'm stressing about. Ask me if there's something you can pray for for me. Like, give me something. But like, don't just hit me with a good morning. Good morning. Like, we are not, we're not. Even children, I think they could, they have more robust conversations than that. Absolutely. I need need more. I need more. I need more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I just yeah because I feel like especially when you do so much stuff it's like I need somebody that's on the same wavelength as me oh seriously yeah seriously and yeah. support I was talking to a friend about that yesterday like support is so important like and I and I have to say it I feel like as black women like we are already killing it I mean I, I mean my circle alone like powerhouses the women in my circle are like powerhouses killing it I got even if they do have a job like I mean another you know project or something that they're working on you want somebody in your life who's going to be to me like super supportive kind and and just empathetic yeah absolutely and somebody that and and this is like and I I quote Sarah Jakes Roberts and Torrey so often Mm -hmm. because I feel like what they created is a very good example of how life can work if you would if you let it and how God mm-hmm. works if you let it. But I remember mm-hmm. when they first got married, Torrey was doing an interview or something, and he was like, Marrying Sarah is the guarantee that I will fulfill my purpose in life. And I feel like if you're not with somebody that you know being with this person is the guarantee that you're going to fulfill what God has placed you on this earth to do, mm-hmm. why are you with them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But that that's also to like a different perspective about relationships, right? Like versus like I'm checking off this box because I'm getting older, I need to get married or because my family and friends are like, when are you going to get married? But it's like, actually, I'm, I'm looking for purpose and I, partnership. Yeah, I think that's something that happened with me too. It's like, I don't just want to be married. I want a life partner. Yeah. And so just think about, I want someone to do life with. And life is not easy. It's, 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 I mean, we learned from this last, what, year, two years that life is not yeah. easy. So, and to be able to have someone with you to, to journey through that with you is really important. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I love that we're, more of us are getting to that point oh, of yeah. like, this is what I want. If I can't have it, that's okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So last question for real this time, and then we're going to the lightning round. How okay. do you feel as though you found triumph in the aftermath of this moment? I feel like this moment kind of, cat- we're talking about purpose. I feel like that moment, I feel like I was already on my way, but the relationship stifled me that moment catapulted me into my purpose. Like just, no lie, after that thing, um, yeah, it is a thing, after that thing crumbled. (laughs) (laughs) And after that that little thing. (laughs) Like I just feel like the doors that started opening up in my life were just like, you know, and I love, I think we've talked about, like I love writing, I love speaking, I love like, those are my like wheelhouse, I love doing those things. Just the opportunities that I got, and just the courage that I had to take it, like to be able to do those things 
I feel like I found my purpose and I started walking in it and there was no blockage. There was no impediment. It was just like smooth sailing. And, and I feel like I've been on that path ever since then. So I found going back to like, I got myself back. So once everything after this situation, after the aftermath of the moment, which is like my name, my name is Iori, my Nigerian name is Iori, meaning like, um, I went and I came back safely. So I, I have arrived, right? And so my dad always says like, my the meaning of my name is like, no matter what challenges you face in your life, you will always bounce back. You'll come back wiser. You'll, and I feel like after that challenge, it was just like, okay, let's go. Like, and not saying that that had to happen, but once that happened, it was like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm here. I've arrived. Let's go. Yeah. And so that was, I just feel like I just was able to kind of just walk into everything that I've always wanted to do and, and, and to do so in a way that I was not like super, um, I guess, scared, if you will, because I realized that things that my abuser broke me down a lot about are the things that make me me. And so I spent a lot of time hiding those things. And once he was out the picture, I was like, oh, like, actually, we got something going on here. Like, you know, and so yeah. That just, it gave me more confidence. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's like, it's like the hero's journey, right? Mm -hmm. And I think anyone who is living a life of purpose and who is really living in alignment with what they're here for has had a moment like that, which is exactly what this series is about, right? Yeah. It's like success doesn't come easy. And so often we need not specifically moments like this, but just a catalyst to show us one, who we are, our power in these spaces that we don't think we have, Mm -hmm. but then also give us that, that push forward, right. Mm -hmm. To really get us in motion and as to what we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So I think, like I said, I think it's, uh, I'm sad it happened, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm sad that you experienced this, but I'm so happy that on the other side of it, you're not left bitter and broken and like stuck in a corner, like crying and like chewing Mm -hmm. on your hair. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. (laughs) So, so yeah, I mean, and I think we need to give more power to our moments of triumph to say, Hey, you know, yeah, girl, you went through that and it wasn't great, but you made it to the other side. And now you are so much more of who you were meant to be. Absolutely. And that's what I tell people. I am on the other. I literally say that I'm on the other side. Yeah. Oh, that is for okay. One more question. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. (laughs) So it's funny because Gabrielle Union's new book. She talks about um, the summer after she was raped, right? Mm -hmm. And how she doesn't talk about it often, and Mm -hmm. she doesn't bring it up often. But she says there's so much power in the woman that gets you between your trauma and to your triumph, right? Like Mm -hmm. she's the one that's, that bridged the gap that allowed you a space to one, realize that you were hurt, you're in pain, something Mm -hmm. traumatic has happened to you. And then give you that moment of like reflection and rest. And like, maybe you do hide for a little bit because you're ashamed of it. Maybe you don't want to, to go out in public and interact with people, but Mm -hmm. she's the person that got you through it right? Oh. That one in between. Oh, yeah. So speaking to that, like, how do you feel that your woman in between really, like, saved you? Hmm. She carried me, for sure. 
she like you said that 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 hiding was so important right like I needed to it was almost like covering a wound right you got to put a band-aid on top of it in order for it to heal and so like she covered me like I feel like she was like it's okay like and just that whole going back to remembering yourself like I feel like the wounded Lakia the one who went through the abuse was being carried by again remember who you are the real Lakia and she was like, along with my faith, like reminding me of like who I was and like, it's okay. Like, you know, encouraging me to be vulnerable and, and to be honest about what I was feeling and days like when I just literally could not get out of bed and just needed to just like spin, just cry. I tell people like the pandemic was the worst thing that could have happened to the world slowing down, however, and the world shutting down was the best thing that could have personally happened to me. Because I needed to stop. I needed to pause. I needed to just like, you know, and she sat with me through all of the, the crying, the like, the, the stillness, the, the, the hiding and everything. So I would feel like she, she was the one who protected me in between that, like getting there. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I feel like all of us, myself included, cause I don't, I'm like, yep, everything's fine guys. I'm great a bad thing happened but now we're fine mm-hmm. but I think we all like need to speak a little more to to that woman right to the one that like she because literally that's the bridge she got you to the other side yeah, and it might cool. not have been pretty and it might not have been what the world would want to see mm-hmm. but like she she did it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah totally yeah yeah okay any last thoughts before we go into this lightning round I would probably say it is the, um, going through that situation was the most, it was the most like, it was what brought about my, the beauty in my life. Um, it woke me up pretty much. Like it woke me up and made me realize that, and I know we'll talk, probably talk about this in the the next few questions, but it made me realize like that there was so much more, there was so much more ahead. So, yeah. And then, so what is your definition? If somebody was to ask you, like, what does it mean to, to take a journey from trauma to triumph? Like, what would that be for you if you had to give it a log line? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have to say, and I, and I kind of wrote a short like piece about this on, on social media, but just, I say going into the garden of your life, like, and pulling up the weeds, right? We, you even talked about it, like your things that you've experienced with your family, right? Because the trauma doesn't just happen. Like there are things from when we are younger that kind of socialize us, that kind of shape and mold us to kind of literally walk into a lot of the traumatic and you know, abusive relationships or, you know, attract, you know, or have that familiarity with an abuser. So I would say go into the garden of your life and like really figure out like what, go back and figure out the, the, the pieces. What happened? How did I get here? So spending time, I think sometimes we want to rush ahead. And that's my, that's my biggest concern about like what happens with social media. Once something becomes a hashtag, I feel like then it becomes trendy. And I feel like when people talk about healing, it's like, oh, healing there. And I'm like, no, healing is actually ugly. Like I had to think about, um, I love my family. I love the women who, who raised me, my aunts, my mom and everyone. But I had to like literally disconnect myself from the messages that I received as a young girl. So healing from that trauma is also breaking free from the things that the mental things, the messages that you've gotten your whole life. And sometimes that can be hard because then people are looking at you like, 
well, are you a part of this family? You don't believe what you believe and what you're doing doesn't really align with, you know, what we believe. Or, are you different? Are you changed? Yeah, because I'm, I don't want the next generation to have to deal with this stuff. So, you know, people say breaking generational curses. That's not cute. That's not fun. That's hard work, like deep, 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 yeah. deep hard work. And so I think if there's anything I can say about the healing is a lot of it does take place behind closed doors. And a lot of it is painful. And a lot of it is looking memories, family members, yourself in the face and having to be like, Ooh, this thing is so familiar. I love it, but it's no good. And I gotta, I have to, you know, turn away from it or I have to stop doing this thing. And here's the crazy part. The hard part for me was I was like, okay, but if I stop doing this and I no longer have this in my life, then what? Because I had developed a relationship with trauma and chaos and, 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 and things being all over the place. So I struggle with peace. I didn't know, I, peace felt foreign to me. Yeah. So understanding that we also have to break up with a lot of habits and things like that. Yeah. Oh my God. We gotta, we're going to have to have another conversation. <laughs> like, cause I just feel like there's always so much and it's so layered and it's nice to have conversations with people yeah. that understand the nuance of life. Right. It's, it's so hard to have certain conversations with certain people. Cause you're like, ah, you don't understand what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but when you have that, it's it's so nice to just keep digging and digging and digging. Mm-hmm. So you know what, girl, we'll do another episode on generational uh, trauma. Oh, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. So uh-huh. lightning round. So uh-huh. as short of an answer as you can get. Yeah, super quick. So let's see. Okay. What's one thing you're most proud of you've achieved in life? Living the life that I set out to live. What's your number one goal for 2022? Stepping out of my shell. Where do you see yourself in five years? Um, five years. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's like, what? I know, it makes me like, oh, what if it doesn't happen? Um, <laughs> five years, I definitely see myself with my family married, with my family, children, God willing, um, and doing something along like, um, philanthropic mentorship um, with youth because I feel like I've made it really far in life with mentorship with money and with um, connections to certain people and so I would love to work with youth to kind of help them have a trajectory where they can live the life that they dream for themselves. Yeah. Um, what first impression do you want others to experience when they meet you? How we start is not how we finish like we can create just because we're born into something and just because we are born into a situation or community or neighborhood, we can create the life that we want. And so I hope that I can be a reflection of that. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, And then what's one of your quotes to live by and why? It goes back to this whole like creating able to create your life. It's one thing that my dad always says, how you start is not how you finish. And so um, it's again, just having that, that, that autonomy and the, the, the ability to create the life that you want. And I think so often as women, we're told what we should do and how we should do things. And especially as black women, black people, I come from a neighborhood like Detroit. So I feel like my destiny was already planned out for me. And I'm like, no, how you start is not how you finish. 